What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast brought to you by Pow Pow Media. Pow Pow Media is the premier video production and video marketing resource for people in DFW. They're going to create you some original video content that you can use for TV, film, internet distribution, things like that. If you're a band, a small business, or if you've got an event coming up, you need to contact them and get them to make you an extremely professional video. I had a video done about this podcast specifically, and I couldn't be happier with the outcome. They were quick. They were thorough. The, I got the product the next day. I mean, it, and it was extremely, extremely professionally done. They've been in business since 2000, over 15 years. They've done over 12,000 multimedia projects. Uh, they can do your drone footage, e-commerce videos, uh, promo for any sort of event or, or any sort of small business. Uh, they've got you covered. So you need to visit them at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. And we are live. Welcome to another episode of the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Watson. With me today, uh, someone who's become a good friend of mine, I believe, and a, a phenomenal luthier and woodworker and guitar maker, Mr. Mike Delaney. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm Glad to have you. I am thrilled to have you on, and thank you for letting me into your shop. Uh, this is like a mecca type of situation for guitar players to see. It's a little dusty, but... <laughs> magic can happen here <laughs> yeah absolutely well i i can attest to that personally i uh when i was having the idea of putting this show together you were one of the first people i thought of to have on i uh i wanted to have musicians and artists alike and i consider you an artist in in the highest form of of taking something and having the vision to turn it into something beautiful like like a beautiful instrument well i appreciate that and i'm a former musician so that counts i absolutely made it under both categories there you go yeah so that (laughs) makes even more sense to have you in so but yeah i've got uh delaney delaney guitars custom guitars um What's the website? So we can just get that right off the bat. Uh, www.delaneyguitars.com. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, lots of lots of really good artists that you have been uh, supporting and have been supporting you as well. We've been very, very lucky and blessed to have the people that we have in the blues world is very well represented. Yeah. Don't really know. I mean, I'm a blues guy, so I, I appreciate that. And I think that's kind of where I focus to begin with. But uh, we're really glad to have all of them aboard. They're great people. Yeah. Guys like uh, Mike Zito, who I've known for, gosh, for yeah, seven or eight, nine years now, uh, inadvertently. He and I used to tour on the same circuit when I was doing that uh, more of the blues style stuff. And uh, what other, who are, what are some other Well, we've good got names? Samantha Fish. Samantha. Samantha's I'm, blowing yeah, up. She's, she's amazing. Huge name. We're going to see her on Saturday night, and we're going to see Mike Zito on Saturday night. They're playing together, actually, in uh, Conroe, Texas. They set a record together, didn't they? Well, I think they're just doing a, a kind of a dual CD release thing. Okay. You know? Mike's produced a lot of her stuff. Right. And she's known Mike for years. I've met Samantha through Mike Zito. Mike okay. Zito's been great to us. He's a yeah. great guy. But we've got Tommy Castro. Yeah, we've Tommy. Got, uh, uh, we've a bunch got of shows with him. Arlen Roth, the great Arlen oh, yeah. Roth. I mean, absolutely. You know, um, we got guys like Tom Holland. Tom Holland was uh, James Cotton's guitarist for oh, years wow. and years, and he's with uh, with uh, oh, uh, Sean Holt and the Teardrops now, which is a great mm-hmm. band out of Chicago. Yeah, um, yeah. We got the and we've got a, a complete list of them on the on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert Castilla out of Florida. Albert's oh, killer. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we've been very, uh, very, very fortunate. We just got Anders Osborne. Um, really? Recently. I'm a big Anders, fan of we're, we're just starting his second guitar now, which yeah. I'm excited about. That's awesome. So, yeah, we've got some really good people. And uh, and uh, the the beauty of it is they're not just great musicians. They're really good folks. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of a criteria for us. We've had a couple of um, people approach us that were interested that were amazing musicians that we just couldn't. Couldn't sure. get, wrap ourselves around just because we weren't really fond of them as people, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of weird, but that's just the way it is. I think that's a great way to conduct yourself. I remember when uh, when I contacted you pretty out of the blue uh, years ago, that was one of the first things you told me was, you know, we let's talk on the phone for a little while. And uh, if, if I don't think you're a 
terrible person, <laughs> you know, then, then we'll move forward and we'll do something. Yeah, we, 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 have a, uh, we have a phrase for it, but I won't use it for the podcast. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, but you know, I think that's a great way to do business, honestly, and it doesn't seem to be hindering you in any way. Well, you know, in reality, they're out there playing a guitar with my name on it. Yeah. And so they're, in, they're inadvertently uh, representing us, too. You yeah. know? So we want to make sure that that people are very approachable and very cool. And when someone comes up and wants to find out about their guitar or their mm -hmm. rig, all of these guys that we've been talking about, you know, are just phenomenal individuals. So you go up to these guys and they, they'll hand you the guitar and say, here, check this out. Yeah. You know, check out this neck. This is my neck. You Absolutely. Know, or whatever it is. And it's really good. We've got a guy out of Florida named Mark Teleska, bass mm -hmm. player. He's also a guitarist, but he plays one of our basses and, and Mark is just one of those kind of guys too. He plays with everybody, yeah. And uh, and just a sweet man, you know. Just one of those guys you want to go up and talk to, and yeah. And he, he, that's what he does. And so those are the guys we look for. Those, you know, we've got uh, Danielle Schnevelin. I mean, Danielle is, you know, she was trampled underfoot, okay. singer and bass yeah, player, yeah, yeah. and she's got her own band now, the Danielle Nicole Band, and probably one of the best voices in the business. Yeah, amazing voice, and she's a badass bass player. Yeah. And her brother, Nick, who used to be in mm -hmm. Trampled Underfoot, we, we just started a relationship with Nick. Yeah. So we had to have our, we had to have our quota of left-handed guitar, <laughs> guitarists yeah. and bass players. Yeah. So we got those guys, and, and Tom Holland's also left-handed. But, yeah, so it's, it's cool. You know, we, we're having a good time with it. Yeah. And then we got rockers like Bobby Masano. Yeah. You know, Bobby is, yeah. Bobby's been around forever. He's played with everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, he was Steve Winwood's guitarist for yeah. years. And Bobby's just one of those guys that picks up a guitar and just flames come yeah. out, you know, and, and, um, great writer, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a name I've had on my radar for a long time. Yeah. So it, it's really fun. We're having a good time with it and we're looking for guys. We, the, we look for guys that are maybe not household names. You know, when we, when we found, right. when we found Samantha or when, when she was introduced to Samantha, to us, she just had her first record out. Right. And we just knew she just had something that was very raw and very cool, and she, mm -hmm. it was it was real. You yeah. know, it was something that she was doing to that it wasn't just some young girl singing the blues and playing. Right. She really was feeling this stuff, and yeah. we thought, you know, what a what a great chance to to yeah. maybe help her out a little bit, and hopefully, you know, help us out too. And yeah. It's a mutual thing, and look at what has happened with her. You know, oh, she's exploded. It's uh, yeah. I, I think I think you're looking at someone with some severe longevity. She's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. And every time you see her, she blows you away more than the last time you yeah. saw her. So it's just it's very cool. Yeah. And we're we're excited about it. you know, good. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's that's it's really good to build those kinds of relationships. Obviously, we want to build a relationship with someone who's who's on the way up. But I mean, you're not only looking for that. That's not your criteria. You're right. not you're not branding yourself as someone who's just exclusively working with people who are who are famous. You're, right. you're working with people who you think are good. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of their status. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's we're not doing it. I mean, having someone with name recognition is amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that helps us immensely. Of course. Having Mike Zito, who plays all the time yeah. out there so playing our guitars. Unbelievable amount of dates a year. Yeah. And having that just th that adds to the legitimacy of a business, you mm -hmm. know, that, that somebody like that wants to play our instruments and uh, and he's being seen with our instruments all the time mm -hmm. is just it's it's huge for us. That's that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember when I contacted you, uh, this is probably four years ago or so now uh, to, to get a guitar from you and uh, you were in Atlanta. Right. Um, and then you've since moved here to out, just outside of Austin. Yeah. Um, but we're in Bastrop. Is that Bastrop, right? Yeah. 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 They call it just East of weird. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> we love that. I imagine it can be pretty weird out here too, but you're kind of out here in the, in the country, which is really nice. Yeah. We, we call it the compound. We, yeah. We've got 13 acres here. So we oh, have wow. the house and the shop and a few other outbuildings yeah. uh, on the property. So I can walk to work every day. Yeah. And, um, and you know, UPS and FedEx knows where we are so we can get stuff shipped and picked <laughs> up. So it's great. It's a, it's a, it, I think it's probably harder on the artist than anybody else. The beauty of it is 
we're close enough into Austin. I can be in there to do business and to mm-hmm. see folks and to, you know, to get that Austin fix, mm-hmm. but I don't have to live in the middle of Austin where yeah. the, with the traffic and all the other oh, stuff man. that you deal with, with any city, Atlanta was, yeah. was worse, you know? Yeah. We lived out just outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Easy commute in to do our business and have fun and, and then get out in the country where we could escape everything. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I grew up in the country, so I understand the value of, of needing to get out yeah for a little while yeah, it's definitely nice yeah uh so you moved why what made you move to, uh, to austin from atlanta we've, we've we've been wanting to be in texas for a long time mm-hmm. you know, texas is very small business friendly mm-hmm. austin i mean they say if you throw a hand grenade in austin you kill 100 guitar players <laughs> yeah you know, and it's probably true yeah maybe a little more so uh, in in the past i think we're starting to thin out a little bit with yeah. the, the cost of living in austin is it's yeah. not easy to to, to make when you're a musician, but it's a great place to be yep. if you want to be around musicians. And we did. And Atlanta was a great scene and the musicians there are top notch, great musicians. Um, but we, but Texas was calling and we've been wanting to do it for a long time. The opportunity just happened to pop up. Yeah. We made a real quick decision and headed out this way and we're really glad we did. It's been really great. We've gotten to know some of the local guys and we've got a little bit of business with some of the some of the heavy hitters in town and it's, it's great. Yeah. Austin is a really diverse city in a lot of different ways, but more specifically for, for musicians, uh, there's really no standard scene that you think of Nashville as being a country scene and LA as being a pop scene. Austin is kind of just where musicians just go to congregate. Well, that's it. You can go on any given night, you can go into town and hear whatever you want to hear, you know, music wise, it's wide open book. There's, yeah, there is a blues scene. There's mm-hmm. a, the Americana scene, which I kind of look at a little differently than blues, mm-hmm. is is thriving, you know. But yeah. it, it doesn't matter. There's music of every kind to to, to be sought out, and that's one of the be- beautiful things about Austin is there's a lot of music going on. Yeah, and you, you can know? get you know you can get your grips into a lot of them as yeah as now a local luthier and, and guitar builder. Do you do you call yourself a luthier? I keep saying that. Yeah, I'm a luthier. Uh, but uh, you know, a true luthier can will will build any stringed instrument. You know, right? And I don't. I don't do violins, and I don't do some right. of the. Now, maybe someday. You know, yeah, sure. I'm only 61, so I've got time. All the time in the world. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm a luthier. Okay. And, um, I mean, it's evident clearly. I mean, you're you're building these beautiful guitars and all of that. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't hesitant to use the word. I just, I appreciate if that. you call yourself that or, uh, you know, and all of that. Some days I'm a luthier. <laughs> Other days I'm a hack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the same way about my, my craft. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's awesome that you're in Austin. It's certainly made it a lot easier for, for me to interact with you when I've needed to. And, and so, and Mike, I'm sure. Well, and the the beauty of it is, is a lot of people come through here. Mm-hmm. They they either hit Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. All of those are very accessible f- from where we are. Mm-hmm. So if Mike Zito's playing in Houston, we can get in the car and go see him, mm-hmm. you know, and spend the evening and have a great time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, same with Dallas, you know, or anywhere. It just gives us a little more variety and a little more opportunity to see some of the people that we really want to see and, and connect with and have some fun with and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta, again, was a great uh, community of musicians, but Atlanta ended up being a place where musicians just stopped going. You know, it was, I don't know whether it was a, the fickle audience. You never knew if anyone was going to show up or not. Mm. Like they, uh, people stopped moving there or stopped just going through town They at just all? stopped using Atlanta as a place to go play. Oh, wow. And, uh, there, you know, there's still some, and mm-hmm. some of the really big names will still come through Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But it used to be a destination, and now it's a gas stop. Right. You know, now it's a, well, we'll pick up a gig on our way to Florida. Right. Or on our right. way back up the coast. Tuesday night. Yeah. It's one of those things. Huh. And so uh, it, the opportunities to see some people were not as great as they are now. Now it's just phenomenal. Right. You know, I mean, it's out here for sure. Did you know Sean Costello? I didn't know him personally. Of course, everyone knew him in Atlanta. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys who played with him. He was Sean. a force to be oh. reckoned with. I think I think I when I first heard about him, he was playing guitar on Susan Tedeschi's first album. I think mm-hmm. it was, Something and like I that. heard that, and I thought I need to know who this guy is. Yeah, and, but uh, yeah, he was definitely um, a force in Atlanta, and a lot of a lot of really good folks. I knew a lot of people that played with him, mm-hmm. and they're great people. And he 
personally single-handedly changed the trajectory of my music career um, as a listener. By the time I got to him, he had already passed. Uh, this was probably in 2011. He, I think he had just passed. He was dealing with some, some pretty heavy uh, bipolar issues. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but when I found out about him, I didn't know that he had passed. And so I found, I got dove into all of his catalog and then I found, I saw that and I went, oh, well, of course this person that I get into, but then I started really diving into his back catalog and all of his, just his, his style and his demeanor. And it, and it altered the way that I looked at music and the way that I looked at, at and approached playing and soloing and comping yourself. Cause most of the time he was a three piece Yeah, and you didn't, I didn't miss it. I didn't miss the fourth piece. We were saying earlier, sometimes mm-hmm. three piece gets kind of old after a while. And it does. If you, if you are not, if you don't have the wherewithal enough to, to fill in all the space. Right. If you, if you look at yourself as more than just a guitar player, you, which you have to do as a three piece. And he did that in such a, a masterful way. And he would play and, and he, when he was, what I get, what I miss the most as, as a three piece is when you go off on a solo, you lose the context of the chordal mm-hmm. situation and, and the, and the chords. And, and he didn't, he would comp himself like a piano player plays a chord with his left hand and solos with his right. He would play a little riff and play the chord that right, he was, right. that was supposed to be behind you know, it. Stevie Ray Vaughan used to do that really well. Yeah. You know, he could, he could f- fill those gaps with just a little nuanced thing. You know, Absolutely. That was, but the the thing about Sean that was really great was he was as good a rhythm player as he was a lead player. Absolutely. And, you know, good rhythm players are hard to come by. Absolutely. I When I was playing, playing mm-hmm. you know, serious about it, I made sure that I was a really good rhythm player Absolutely. first. And then I worked on playing and doing lead stuff because if you're a good rhythm player, you can make or break what's going on. Absolutely. You know? I, there's a guy out there. He used to, he's from the States. He lives over in Germany now. His name's Tino Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And Tino Gonzalez, one of the greatest rhythm players I've ever heard in my mm-hmm. life. Amazing. If you ever have a chance to check out Tino's stuff, you should. It's really good. And uh, 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 he's, he was one of those guys where I, I, uh, I listened to him and said, that's, some, that's necessary. That is so important Absolutely. for a band to have someone who can do that and do it well not just play a chord right but you know play yeah you know and so yeah i appreciate that and sean was that way yeah it's it's definitely an art in and of itself uh musically uh, good rhythm players i was always told coming up as a guitar player and a piano player that the better rhythm players the best rhythm players were the best lead players because you have a more in-depth understanding of what's happening behind you mm-hmm. and 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 one is not taking precedent over the other because without the rhythm, the lead doesn't make as much sense. And without the lead, what you're doing as a rhythm player, it won't be accented by they, they go together, right. I guess. And a lot of players that I know don't necessarily subscribe to that. Yeah. And, and so you get a lot of clutter, not necessarily uh, well thought out, you know, it's uh, quantity over quality. It yeah. becomes at that point. And so a good rhythm player is really hard to find. And I, I was always blown away by Sean specifically because he could comp himself so well Yeah. while he was singing, while he was playing, while he was soloing. And that, that, you know, that changed the way that I looked at it as a, as a younger man, as that was a long time ago. Um, but I don't know. I, it was depressing to me to find out that he had passed and I ended up putting uh, one of his songs on a record I did in 2012, we did uh, Hard Luck Woman, uh, which I loved playing. That song is so much fun. Um, and then that was an introduction as well. I had done pretty exclusively blues stuff up to that point, and I was trying to get into some other stuff. And Sean Costello, uh, his live show that was a bunch of them on YouTube, introduced me to, to guys like Bobby Womack. Oh, yeah. Uh, who I was vaguely familiar with growing up listening to soul music. Um, but just making that accessible to guys like me. Because you listen to Bobby Womack. You listen to that tune that Bobby Womack recorded. It's like a 10-piece band with horns and all that <laughs> stuff. And then you go, okay, well, Sean Costello's a three-piece band. How's he going to pull this off? And then he does. And you go, okay, well, this is this is doable if done correctly. Yeah, the interpretation is amazing. Right. And, and so that kind of opened up a lot of doors for me, which then led to me having a huge band. But that was kind of down the road. But that I feel like that was a large turning point for me. So I was... If you if you knew him or not, but if you don't know who Sean Costello is and you're into soulful bluesy music, he's 
He's the guy for De- sure. Yeah, definitely. Look, at, check out some of the live YouTube stuff because there's it's, some brilliant stuff out it's there. It's fiery. Yeah. He, he's got a version of the Hucklebuck, which is an old, old standard, like jump blues type of tune. And he just murders that song. And his playing, you don't realize he can play like that because he never really does. He doesn't really let go like that. And then he lets go of the reins and just plays so fast. Yeah. And, and t- still tastefully. I don't know. It was, that, was a, that was a very identifiable turning point in my musical life um so you used to you you were a player what got you into to building have you always done that or did you yeah i got to when i was playing i got to a point where i just got sick and tired of trying to find a guitar off the wall Uh that that suited me you know uh, i played strats for years and years and years i love old Mm. strats but you'd go through 20 of them before you had one that would kind of talk to you a little bit and say okay Mm -hmm. this could be the one this is and uh, or you'd get a guitar and then I'd start taking it apart immediately to change <laughs> things to be more personal to right. me. And I got to a certain point where I just thought, you know, I could do this. I've been doing woodworking since I was a little bitty kid. Sure. And I thought, I'm just going to build my own guitar. Mm-hmm. And I built our very first guitar. It was 1998 or nine, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Started that guitar and just was playing out with it. And I had other guys coming up to me, other musicians going, what is that guitar? Yeah. Where'd you get it? And then when they found out, can you make one for me? Right. And it, that's kind of what started the building. Pro- I started building for other guys that I knew that uh-huh. were musicians. And and uh, all of a sudden I realized I'm building a whole lot more than I'm playing right now. Uh-huh. I might as well do this for a living. Yeah. You know? And so the... the um, the plan was not very good. Right. <laughs> but... But I'm really happy. Yeah. You know, I'd love to be playing more. Sure. But I'm, you know, this is, this is great to be. It's almost as, as uh, exhilarating to hear one of the songs. I, I posted this morning on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Tommy Castro came on this morning playing. And it just makes you smile to hear mm-hmm. somebody like that on the radio playing one of your instruments, you know. Yeah, and it's, absolutely. Or to see it live, you know. To see Anders Osborne live. First of all, to see Anders Osborne live is amazing. Yeah, I just did general. Just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, but, you know, you get sure. about four songs in and all of a sudden he picks up his Delaney guitar and you go, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, you know? and he's a pretty big uh, name. You know, Tommy Craster's a pretty big name, but yeah. Anders Osborne, he's kind of more transcendent genre-wise. Yeah, yeah. And, he goes all over the... And his shows are that way. Yeah. You know, his shows, you never know what's going to come out of him next. Yeah. And uh, it's brilliant. It's really, really good stuff. And so we're thrilled. I mean, to, just to, to have them want to play something I made is pretty great. Yeah. So I, I hope that never goes away. Yeah. You know, I really love that. And uh, we get a, I'll be in here in the shop working, and I, I usually have like Sirius XM on or something. And to have, you know, we'll get three or four in a row. Mm-hmm. I was, and I'm going, yeah. this, is, this, I'm, this is the greatest day of my life. Yeah, right. you know, this is so yeah. cool to have these guys, you know, um, on the radio. And I can listen to them while I'm working on their guitars. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. That is that is cool. And, and guys like, it's it's obviously growing. It's signing in guys like Tommy and, and Anders. I mean, that's, that's a pretty large feather in your cap that I imagine will produce a, a decent bit of business that, just having those names on the website and having them talk about it. It just it gives us access, more people access to us because yeah. fans of Tommy Castro realize now that his new guitar is a Delaney guitar. Mm-hmm. And the social media thing is amazing in that respect because if Tommy puts a picture up, somebody asks. Absolutely. And then they come, they contact me and say, tell me about that guitar you built for Tommy Castro. Yeah. You know, and, and so all it's a snowball effect. It's great, you know, and we, we are on all of the social media, typical social media places. And it really, it's been amazing for us. It's a, it's a different world than mm-hmm. the, the old days. You couldn't get word out like you do now, you right. know. And, and so uh, we're blessed. I mean, it's amazing to be able to be able to do that. And then to go see shows with them. I'll, I'll post, hey, I'm going to go see Tommy Castro in Austin tonight. And people will show up. Yeah. And want to sit with you and yeah and, which is just mind-boggling sure. you, go, you know I, why you've, nobody wanted to sit with me before <laughs> well, you've, you've <laughs> tapped cool. into that market now it's, you're it's a cool thing yeah you know, and we're we're really enjoying that and it's um it gives us i get an opportunity to play with more people now than i did when i was a player yeah so that's really cool absolutely to be invited up to play or sit in on a couple of tunes you know in the old days when i was a struggling decent guitar player mm-hmm. It was unheard of. Now I'm. I don't play as well because I don't play that much. Sure. But 
they'll say, now we got to have Mike yeah. up to play with us. I think that's great. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's wonderful. That is really so, cool. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm you know I'm definitely taking advantage of it and, yeah. and having a good time with it. So all of that is definitely a testament, uh, obviously to to the power of the people that you're that you're endorsing. But it's even more, I think, a testament to the product that you're putting out. Because if it was an ugly guitar that didn't sound very good, it doesn't really matter who's playing it. People aren't going to ask about it well, just I, from a I picture agree. specifically. I agree. So we're again we're really lucky because it just gives more people an opportunity to see them. Yeah, and, and they are them, absolutely you know? gorgeous. Well, and I've loved you. the one that you made for me f- ever since. A few people have. Yeah, good. <laughs> you know, we've made more of those. Yeah, you know, which is really I've you know, seen sim- the pictures. similar similar to what we did for you. And yeah, that guitar was one of those where you get, you finish it and you go, oh, you know, I'm really really yeah. happy with this. I don't yeah. want I don't want to let it go. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I'm it, glad you did aesthetically as well as I think tonally I was it was a great guitar and, absolutely and uh but you know it's one of those things where it becomes kind of a little signature you know people mm-hmm. see it and go that uh, we know that's a Delaney definitely you know? and I like that that's really a cool thing to mm-hmm. to do and so you know that's enabled us to kind of branch out a little bit more in, in the way we sell our instruments um we're talking with Tommy about you know, his guitar is being made available to the public. Yeah. Uh, and we're still working out the details. You know, uh, Zito's guitars, we have signature guitars for mm-hmm. Mike Zito and for Samantha. Zito, you can go buy the Peace guitar, the, the uh, one of the more recent ones that we've done for Mike. You can go on his website and buy them. Oh, wow. Which is really great. So yeah. we, we've kind of made Mike a dealer. You know, yeah, Mike, sure. And, uh, well, and that's not, so you can buy uh, it through Mike, have the personal interaction with him as mm-hmm. well, and get him signed and all of that sure. stuff that goes along with it. So it's just another avenue of, of um, you know, getting our guitars in people's hands. Yeah. You know? I'm thrilled to death. Yeah. You know? It's pretty cool. It is. It's very cool. And uh, I know that you've recently branched out into the 335 world which was something that I am very interested in still. So we should talk about that after we're done with yeah. this. <laughs> I, w- I wish I had a finished one here. I've got three or four in work right yeah. now. Um, and it's more of a, it's kind of closer to the 339, 359 okay. sh- size. Uh-huh. It's, so it's got that 335 vibe to it, uh-huh. but it's a little bit smaller. Uh-huh. Uh, it, is a, it is a hollow body. Mm-hmm. It's not a, an arch top. It still has a center block uh, or mm-hmm. has partial center blocks down the middle. Um, but it's a, it, I love the guitar. Yeah. Um, we've, we've had really good response from the ones that are out there. Sure. Uh, we're in the middle of doing one for Samantha fish right now, which awesome. is very different than what she's been playing. Yeah. Um, she's a telecaster girl. She's a telly girl, the thin line telly girl. Uh-huh. And so we've been building her, uh, her fish, uh, uh-huh. fish guitars for a while. And so this is going to be really fun for her to be playing that. And, uh, but the, it's a, you know, a lot of great options as far as f holes no f holes you know yeah. the electronics packages are all very yeah. but it's a two humbucker guitar you know mm-hmm. uh, we got it so you can split them and do all those fun things too yeah. to get more tonal uh possibilities but it's it's lightweight nice guitar mm-hmm. uh still really strong and durable for the road and I'm real happy about it. It's just one of those things where I'm really, we've been wanting to do it forever. You mm-hmm. know, I think you and I talked about this a couple of years ago. We did. Yeah. And we finally, this year got, got the first ones out and, and, uh, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. They're turning out to be a really nice guitar. So, yeah. Well, that's something that I am, uh, am very interested in. Good. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about that we'll, after we'll this. We'll do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, so where are you where are you from originally? You're not from Atlanta. You said you're no. From... I grew up in the Midwest. I, I was actually born in Indiana. Okay. I don't tell everybody that. No, I won't tell anybody. But uh, I grew up in Missouri. Okay. Just outside St. Louis, little yeah. little suburb. And another connection to Mike Zito. Mm-hmm. Zito, you know, is from St. Louis, mm-hmm. and uh, and it you know the music scene. My folks used to be really involved in the music scene as far as fans, mm-hmm. and they'd take us down to Gaslight Square, which was downtown St. Mm-hmm. Louis, and hear jazz and blues, and and it was really kind of a cool, cool thing to do. Um, and so that's I, I, my background. May, I, you know, I put down Florissant, Missouri, as my hometown mm-hmm. because I lived there since I was two years old until sure. I was about twelve. That makes and so the, sense to me. I think the. I think that's where the basis of everything inside of me came from. Yeah. And then we did the West Coast. We did Los Angeles for some years, and and I lived through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And my yeah. teenage years in Los Angeles were kind <laughs> of, kind of, and that's where I started really playing. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool. But, um, uh, and then I had 
Los Angeles was fine, but I had to get out of there. Sure. You know, and, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I like to be there for maybe a week or less. Yeah. And then I'm ready to go. I go back and get depressed, yeah. you know, because it's just not the the L.A. that I grew up around, you know. It's, yeah. It's, and, uh, and the music scene went from a very thriving, awesome scene to almost dead. You know, it was yeah. very pay-to-play. Yeah, for sure. And it was almost impossible to get a decent gig anymore unless mm-hmm. you were Jackson Brown or, right. you know, somebody. Right. So, you know, everybody was leaving and going to Seattle and leaving and going somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. And uh, uh, so it was, it was uh, frustrating. You know, I did a little studio work there. Got to got to do some really cool old studio stuff. You know, the, the, the some of the great studios, Gold Star Studios, and a few of the other ones down in Hollywood. Yeah. The, the, the opportunity to actually just go in there and be part of that and play was really cool. But it was a dying, yeah, dying thing. So uh, Jackson Brown and that and the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt and all that. They were that was more of a Northern California situation. No, actually, Ronstadt was, was was Southern California. Okay. Uh, Eagles, I don't know where they came from originally, but they were huge in Southern California, and they were—I I don't okay. know—I don't know if they were considered based out of there or not, but they were there. Yeah. And uh, Joni Mitchell and, yeah. and and Bonnie Raitt and all of those mm-hmm. folks were there, and guys like uh, there were bands like Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard of Jack Mack. Absolutely. They were they were a horn band, yeah. a great horn band out of L.A. Well, again, maybe they weren't—they were always in L.A. Yeah. And a great band, you know, just killer. That's what kind of started me down the road of wanting to be a, um, in a horn band, yeah. you know, a band that had a big horn section. Yeah. They, were, they were amazing, you yeah. know, and, uh, and uh, we would go see them every, all the time, just yeah. all the time we were going to see those guys. But uh, it was one of those, um, it was just a real interesting uh, place. And the blues was strong. I mean, Can't Heat. We, I knew the oh, guys yeah. who Can't Heat. And, yeah. And, uh and that that's one of my best friends, a guy named Philip Culp, uh, who I went to high school with. And uh, um, he lived across the street from Richard Height, who was Bob Height, the bear from Canned Heat's brother. Mm-hmm. And Richard ended up in the band playing bass um, for for a period of time. And Richard was a real, a real student of the blues. Mm-hmm. And he had one of the largest collections of 78s in the world. It was oh, wow. like 50,000. Jeez. And Phil and I used to go over to Richard's house. And we would, when he would get records, we'd catalog them. So every room there were, there were just shelves <laughs> oh, man. and we would go through and it was like pre-war blues, post-war blues. And Richard would always have someone there or be playing some records. And on Friday nights, we would go over to Richard's house and he'd get a bottle of shivers and a, and a pizza <laughs> and we'd sit and listen to, you know, yeah, just amazing old, really old, funky old blues. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I was just injected into that world and, uh, I, I give, uh, Richard and, and uh, Philip Culp, uh, all the credit in the world for me falling in love and becoming a student of the blues myself. Yeah. And, and uh, ever since, and I got I got to know guys like Doctor Demento. I don't know if you know. Yeah, Doc, absolutely. Barry, Barry Hansen, and I got to. It was really a cool world musically. Yeah. But it was underground. I mean, this is you know mm-hmm. that was not stuff that everybody was listening to. Right. You know. Right. And so uh, James Harmon. James Harmon was mm-hmm. huge in Southern California. He had just moved out there. As a matter of fact. Bob Height had moved him to California because he was he was struggling um, on the East Coast, hmm. and Bob said, "Come out to L.A. Yeah, you'll get gigs." Yeah, and uh, and James Harmon did, and of course James Harmon, one of the great harp players in the world. Yeah, you know? we still we still keep in contact on Facebook and stuff, yeah. which is very cool. You Absolutely, know, it's, um, it's one of those things that it was a great a great education for me. Yeah. You know? and, and sure. I got to meet some wonderful people, got to play with, uh, I got to play with Big Joe Turner. Oh, I wow. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. And I, had I known then what I know now, <laughs> yeah. I probably would have not been able to do it. Yeah, Because Big Joe Turner was, was a, he was not only a huge man, he was huge. He yeah. walked in a room and everybody knew, even if you didn't know who the guy was, yeah. you knew somebody special just walked in this room. Yeah. And when he would get up, and Kent Heat would back him up sometimes. Uh-huh. It'd be his backup band. And when he would get up and sit down on a stool on the on the stage and start, it was amazing. Yeah. And I was a kid. I mean, I, I didn't. I wasn't even old enough to be in the clubs. Yeah. You know, I was like eighteen or seventeen at the time, and and um, it was just one of those things where it was just phenomenal to that, be able to see him. That era of music was, in a, I feel like, in a lot of ways, a lot more pure than versions of that music now, because I feel like they were. They were not 
doing it for glamour. They weren't doing it for to say they were doing it. They were doing it because they genuinely believed it and they genuinely lived it. Well, they were living it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I think that that's that becomes in my mind why a lot of those bands from that era were a lot more. A lot of those bands from from that era were it just it seems more real. It seems it's easier to latch onto those records. It's easier to understand what they're talking about when a lot of the time I hear some modern records that are trying to sound like that and it's very obvious that they're trying to sound like that and yeah. that they don't necessarily believe in what they're singing about or, or how they're playing it. So I can imagine being around that growing up would be a tremendous a tremendous value to the way that you look at and understand that specific genre of music, if not all genres of music. You start understanding what, what's real and what isn't. When you, when you go see those things live, you know, you feel what they're feeling, yeah. you know, and you know that it's real. Yeah. That's why I mentioned before about Samantha Fish. Mm-hmm. Samantha is one of those people, the first time I heard her, I thought, well, it's, she's a young girl who's singing the blues. This should be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when I heard her and saw her, I realized that she was... She was into this. It wasn't just, she wasn't just singing songs and trying to sound bluesy. Right. You know, she was really digging in and feeling it and understanding it. And, and uh, like I said earlier, every time you see her, she'll blow you away more than the time before. Right. She's just leaps and bounds growing all the time mm-hmm. and it's real. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that's re- really neat to see a young person going through that and understanding that and, and, be, mm-hmm. and trying to be part of that is, yeah. you know, it's a lot different than just hearing somebody doing a cover tune somewhere. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, I've, I've seen her just a handful of times and, and I thought, I kind of thought the same thing. The first time was a long time ago, uh, when I was still on the circuit, we kind of crossed paths and, um, and I saw it and it was, it was good. And then I, you know, I didn't think a whole lot about it until about two years after that, I saw her again. And then I went, okay, this is, she's, she's doing it. And people are responding yeah. and she yeah. is working the crowd and she's a great guitar player and she's, she understands what she's got and how to, how to push that forward. But on top of that, musically, she's doing something very pure. Yeah. And, and like you were just saying, that's very rare for, for anybody, let alone someone as young as she is. And she's, she's also, she's the kind of person that if you go to a show afterward, you look at the line at the, at the merch table yeah, and you look at the people that just want to say hi to her yeah, and she will stay there and shake hands and say hi and yeah. get a picture with every single person that's there mm-hmm. until they're gone. She's just very humble and mm-hmm. she, she knows that those people are her lifeline, you know, and yeah. that, that, uh, it's, that's just absolutely important to be able to do that. And, you know, again, another thing that what drew us to her was she's the person who, personable mm-hmm. person that she is she's just one of those people that uh, will spend the time with people mm-hmm. and if they ask about her guitar they'll tell her she'll tell them exactly what we went through and now she'll tell them everything yeah um again uh, those are the artists that we that we try to focus on because they're good people yeah. you know they're good people first and they're great musicians too you know yeah. and that so. that helps build your brand infinitely yeah. if you've got you know, like we were talking about earlier if you got people running around being assholes to everybody that's that was the word i was going to use yeah yeah if you're you got the, i mean this is a you know this is a, this is a podcast it's not radio so we can, we can do that uh to the chagrin of my mother who thinks that i swear too much in general sorry mom uh but yeah so what have you found i think that uh social media has has obviously helped a lot getting out there but do you get a lot of just random people who maybe don't know about the artists who are just searching for custom guitars? Absolutely. Get that a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is great too. And yeah. again, depending on the, you know, the source, you mm-hmm. know, you, you go to Twitter and you get a, a, an interesting different group than you would get on Facebook or maybe yeah, Instagram for or sure. something. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it we'll get guys who have absolutely no idea who Tommy Castro is. Right. Or they may be metalheads. They may be shredders. Right, of course. You know, and I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's important to my business. Mm-hmm. You know, we just built our very first guitar with a Floyd Rose on it. Yeah, I'm looking at it <laughs> right know? now. And it's like, 
I, I held those off. things are so complicated looking. I held off as long as I could, <laughs> but I had a guitar on accident that had one once <laughs> I bought it from a pawn shop when I was a kid. And then I got it home and I went, what the, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had an American made Kramer guitar. Eddie Van Halen uh-huh. was playing Kramer's at the time uh-huh. and it had the Floyd Rose and it had, you know, the, uh, the bridge humbucker and two single coils. It was a badass guitar. Yeah. It was great, but every time you broke a string, you just put it down for the rest of the night because you just, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah. better have your backup guitar. And Who has the time? But we, Mike Zito talked to me about doing a, a new guitar for him uh, with a Floyd Rose, and I just said, I said, did I ever tell you about my, what I think about Floyd Roses? And he said, no. And I said, well, they make great door stops. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, that's one of those things, you love them or hate them. Yeah. But I played this guitar. It's the, the guitar sitting in front of us. This uh-huh. is the one with the Floyd I played this yesterday for about half an hour, and it just tore up the house. I yeah. mean, it was great. Yeah. I was, I'm really happy. I just. What's uh, the benefit of a Floyd Rose? I because I don't understand at all what the point is behind it. It's it's great if you're doing a lot of not only dive bombing uh, tremolo stuff, but you can actually pull back on them, and you get you get the raise in, uh-huh. in, in tone as well. They're very fluid. I mean, they work really well. Um, they hold their tune. They hold the tune really well. The locking nut mm-hmm. that comes with a Floyd Rose is, I hate them. Mm-hmm. And it, if it was for me, I would use a regular nut and locking tuners. It does the same thing right. for the most part. But the locking nut locks that string down from one end of the neck to the other. Right. So that if you have strings that are well um, stretched to begin with, it'll oh. stay in tune for a long time. Huh. The downside for me uh, when I played with a Floyd Rose was... If you broke one string, not only did everything go out of tune, right? Every string got out of tune. But when you went to put that n- new string on, it was a, it was not a too, you you couldn't do it on stage in the middle of a song like right. you can with some guitars, right? It was a you need a tech or you need a long break, right? To, to, so <laughs> right. you always had to have more than one guitar, right? And uh, and I tended to break a lot of strings with Floyd Roses. Mm-hmm. So it was, you, when you have that tremolo and you have that whammy bar, you want to use it. Sure. And That's it the would, point, and I guess. I did. And it would like, oh my God, <laughs> there goes another one. And, but, you know, they're very, um, the, the tone that comes out of them, of course, every bridge is different. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the tone is great. The resonance is really good. This thing resonated. Yesterday I was playing through an old Ampeg. Mm-hmm. Reverb rocket, little two yeah. two twelve fifty watt, and I was playing clean, and it, 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 it the resonance was beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. And then I put it through some pedals, and opened it up a little bit, and we and you know the popcorn started falling off the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, yeah. You know, so the, I remember all the magic that that comes with those, yeah. And, and even the even the whammy bar, the 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 way it's designed and all is just great. Yeah, you know, I love that stuff, and so you can get. You can get very um, accurate with your bends and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, that's a, I guess if, that, if that's what you're into. <laughs> we, they will be, we will have those necks available for yeah. people that want Floyd Roses. There's a lot of guys that may have in the past um, held off because we are doing more standard yeah. stuff. Yeah. We do offer other other trims that are awesome. We, we do a Stets bar. I don't know if you've ever heard of Stets mm-hmm. bar. They're 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 fantastic, and what they use is they basically use a tunematic kind of a bridge, mm-hmm. like a Gibson tunematic bridge that is on a plate, and the whole plate moves. Oh. So everything moves very evenly, and it's great. And if you break a string, doesn't affect the other string. Yeah. If you, uh, you know, it's just really fluid and nice, and we love those things. You know, and we use also use a hip shot bridge that's mm-hmm. very similar to the old Wilkinson Strat kind of bridges, mm-hmm. and. Um, They've got a really nice uh, um, effect or a, a feature that you replace one of the springs in the back with, uh, it's like a piston. It's called a, uh, what is it called? Trim setter, I think is what they call them. All right. And so the, your trim always goes back to exactly the same spot as it was before because of this, this piston. And okay. It, it, so you that have a sense. fighting chance of the thing staying in tune. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and they work really well. We, we, uh, so if we're doing a Strat style guitar, that's what I recommend for people because they, uh, they're very efficient. They're well-made They're They've got some bulk to them so that they sound good and they resonate well. And, and, uh, and, uh, they, they stay in tune really nicely. So Mm. 
Yeah. That's pretty awesome. You uh, do you go to a lot of trade shows, like the Nam shows? I used to. I used to do Nam. Uh, it got it's so expensive. Is it? If I go to do Nam in Anaheim, Winter Nam, you'll drop ten thousand bucks really? just to do the show. Wow. Yeah, just for the the booth is very expensive. The hotels, the all, and then you got to get all your stuff out there. Yeah. And I I got to a system when I, we were living in Montana at the time, and I could put all of the all of the grid wall. All of the stuff for the booth mm-hmm. and twelve guitars in in a Dodge Durango. <laughs> oh man! And so I could take it all down myself. I wouldn't have to pay <laughs> shipping. Yeah. And and then drive down and do the show and then come home, and uh, that worked out. You know, and and, and two six foot tables and the lighting sure. and all that crap. But uh, and I love Nam. It's you know, doing Nam is tough because after the fourth day, you're just yeah. you're a blithering idiot. Yeah. You know, from all the noise. Sure. And depending on oh, the man. luck Lots of the of draw. guitar players. Oh, well, or maybe you're set up in the drum section. Oh know? man. Yeah. You know, you never know exactly where yeah. you're going to be or it's, it's not a great place to, to show off the tonal capabilities of your instrument sure. because everybody's fighting for the, yeah. for that little noisy spot. Yeah. But, um, we're, I think we're going to get back into it. Uh, we're, we're much more involved in trying to find boutique dealers now. Yeah. And that's a great place to go find dealers is, sure. is the NAM show. And we used to do Nashville NAM, the summer NAM show, and it was half the cost. Mm-hmm. We were in Atlanta at the time, so the, oh, the yeah. drive wasn't bad. Yeah. And uh, we always did better than mm-hmm. we did at Anaheim, you know? Yeah. I, so I could see that, and Nashville's a cooler city to hang out in. Well, and all, <laughs> of, the, all of the big names stopped, stopped doing it. Oh, really? So all of a sudden, with no Fender and no Gibson and no Paul Reed Smith and... Um, it was we we could have a ten by twenty booth and we could be the big dog on the on, yeah. in that row yeah and For and half it was the great cost. and you still Seymour Duncan still came in the booth and said hi and uh, you know all those yeah. things still happened it just you didn't have the distraction of the mega booths yeah and you know you go to a Nam show and you see Paul Reed Smith's booth it's, oh, it's absolutely stunning it's crazy amazing it's pretty you know? insane and he something that, that we same, can't compete with he does know? that same thing at the guitar the Dallas Guitar Festival. Yep. Uh, he'll just, he'll take up like a quarter of the room yep. and you're just going like, we all know who you are, man. Like I've never been a fan of, of those guitars. I, it seems like you, it's like buying a BMW. You're just kind of buying the pride. You're buying the name. They're, they're beautiful guitars. They, absolutely they are stunning, beautiful. I've never, I've never picked one up that I enjoyed playing. Honestly. I, um, I was fortunate. We started our business in Montana. We were living on the edge of the wilderness, yeah. south of Missoula, Montana. That's where Delaney guitars was born. And there was a guy, I won't, I won't mention his name, but he was one of the first three or four guys at Paul Reed Smith mm-hmm. and he was their wood guy. So that narrows it down. Pretty. Yeah. Uh, but, um, <laughs> if you he, know who that is, he, he used to love to come fishing in the Bitterroot. Uh-huh. You know, the fly fishing's the best in oh, the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we were doing a gig one night. I was playing with a band and he came to see us and I think he knew the vocalist and the drummer or something from the band. Mm-hmm. So he came to see us and during a break, he came over and said, hello. And he said, I wanted to talk to you about your guitar. And he told me who he was and stuff. And he said, we don't make guitars like this at Paul Reed Smith. And I said, yeah, I know. That's why, <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's why I'm doing it. Because yeah. nobody would else would do it, you know. Yeah. And, and he, so the next day he came out to the shop and spent the whole day in my shop. Really? Just talking and hanging out. And he said, man, this reminds me of early days of Paul Reed Smith, you know. Yeah. Just a few guys, little bitty shop on the edge of nowhere. Yeah. And and was just a wonderful guy. We we still have a relationship to this day. Awesome. You know, just a great guy and very motivating. It wasn't one of those guys that was trying to say you don't want to do this. Right. You, Dream you know? killers. Yeah. He was one of those guys. Guys that said you can do this. Yeah. You know. And so it, those are the things that happen that you just have to glom onto and go, man, this is why I do this. Yeah. You know, people yeah. like that and the artists that you hear on radio and yeah. you know, and the support from some of the. Some of the radio folks as well. I've had I've had phone calls from radio people going, "We love it. Yeah, you know, we love it that you put our stuff on your Facebook page. You know, because I'll I'll post sure. when somebody's playing on Bluesville. If I'm if yeah. I'm in the in a break and I'm hearing it, yeah, I'll just take a picture of my radio and say, "Hey, yeah. this is great. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And uh, that's and they, the best they way like to get that. the word out. Yeah. That's mutual advertisement for you, for them, for the band. It's just it, that that makes the most sense. That and you know we've got other other guys like uh, Category Five amplifiers, uh-huh. and, who a lot of our artists that play our guitars play their amps, mm-hmm. and it just makes sense to to yeah. say hey it, while you're playing your Delaney check out 
Don Ritter stuff at Category Five, yeah. or, or or you know that's just one example. But mm-hmm. we've got a we've got a brand new relationship with uh, with uh, Steve Evans from Cast Engineering. Mm-hmm. Fantastic pedals, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he builds amps as well. And we're we're doing a few things with Steve, and it's just one of those things where we know that if you plug our product into their pl- product, it's going to be a, a plus. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a good thing for you. And yeah. why not? Why not share the love? You yeah, know? absolutely. And that goes both ways. And they're doing that for you and you're doing that for them. And, and, and the artists are doing it for everyone. It's, yeah. That's a very benevolent way to go about your, your industry. It's a, it's a, it becomes a family thing. You know, we, we've always called our artists members of the Delaney family, yeah. you know, and, and it, we really believe that it's not, it's a person. It's, we take it personally. Absolutely. It's not just a business relationship with an artist. No, we, we are investing in their future as mm-hmm. well. We want them to do well. We love them, mm-hmm. and we want we want those folks to to you know feel like they can call it any time of day or night and yeah. get what they need. And and that's the way it is. Yeah. And it, it's it's a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And we we're the same way. I know I can call somebody up and say. What is you know? What can we do for you? I noticed yeah. you were playing a different bass the other day. Is sure. there something I can do? Yeah. Is there you know? Do you need need something? No, it was somebody else's. Whatever it was, sure. you know. But um, we don't. We're not shy about that. We can do yeah. that if we need to, and make sure everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have. We don't have any issues. Yeah. It's a great family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I've experienced that in terms of just driving down here when I needed. You know, my Telecaster worked on specifically, you know, something that I couldn't get done myself or locally. You know, I just drive down here and leave it with you. And, yeah. and well, that, that makes it nice. And, and we're, we're plugging more and more into the local scene now doing mm-hmm. that, too. We've got some guys in, in, uh, in Austin that have kind of found us and, and are spreading the love with their friends, you know, the yeah. other, other great musicians. So that if something comes up, I'm not a repair shop. Right. But... If something comes up and it's somebody that we we are dealing with on a regular basis or mm-hmm. something, if you've got a neck problem or something, I'll man, if I've got time, bring it on in. Yeah. Let's, let's get it fixed. You know. Yeah. We got guys like Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte, we knew in Atlanta. He mm-hmm. was living in Atlanta oh, yeah. and just a, an amazing human being. Yeah. His story is great. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's just. Uh, one of the craziest guitar players I've ever met. You, yeah. you, you go to watch him play and you wait to be taken over the edge and he takes you right <laughs> yeah, over the edge. Absolutely. And, but, but Chris, it moved back to Austin. He's from mm-hmm. this area, right. Austin, San Antonio area. And, and, uh, he's been out to the shop several times and, yeah. you know, it, it's just one of those things where we know that if he needs something that he can call us, yeah. you know, we know he knows that. And, and, uh, he doesn't play our guitars, right? But I don't care, right? He's a good friend and he's a great musician, mm-hmm. and he's and we want to help the guy out, you right. know, any, yeah. any way we can. So you're not a repair shop, obviously, um, but do you make parts that you can sell, like bolt-on necks, or do you do anything? Have you ever ventured into that? Well, fancy you should ask that question. Uh, we don't. I've had people call and say, "Can you just make me a body, right? Or just make me a neck, and I won't do it, right? Because." You know, even though I do some bolt-on guitars as well as the set necks and neck throughs, mm-hmm. they're we make sure that they fit that guitar. It's right. not just a neck, you right. know. Right. Right. Um, but what we're doing now, and we're going to introduce this for 2017. This is a good place to talk about it. Sure. Is we're going to start putting what we're calling beauty kits together. You know, okay. One of the one of the things that kind of sets us apart from some of the other guys is I don't use a lot of plastic on my guitars. Right. I'll, if somebody calls and says I want a Tele type body and I want a black Bakelite pickguard, I'll do it. Right. You know, and, and we'll want. do the Delaney version of that. Of course. But we'll do wood pickguards and we'll do metal pickguards mm-hmm. and we'll do things that are going to uh, enhance or change the tone of the instrument. A piece of plastic doesn't help right. an instrument in any way right. other than protect it from scratches. Right. So it's a guitar. Um, it's supposed yeah. to get beat up. Yeah. So w- <laughs> what we'll do is, so we're, we're, we're talking about now is putting together um, beauty kits for guitars so that mm-hmm. someone who can't afford a Delaney, mm-hmm. but they love their Strat, we can, we can make a really beautiful exotic wood pick guard and the back plate oh, yeah. for the trim and all of the and knobs, you know, wooden knobs or, uh-huh. or metal knobs with wooden inserts. And we're, that'll be introduced in the next couple of months. Awesome. So it'll be something that you can buy as a, a package like a, a Tele package or a Strat mm-hmm. package or a Les Paul package or whatever you want to call it, or you can buy individual pieces mm-hmm. or you can contact us and say, listen, I've got this great old Strat, but I hate the pick guard. Can you do something wild for me and different? Yeah. And we can do that as well. So that, that's, 
that's really I'm, I'm excited about that we've got the equipment to do it mm-hmm. we've got a beautiful laser engraver that we mm-hmm. engrave all of our headstocks and do some inlay work with that we will be able to cut out pick guards with and do all of those things we got a brand new we just went into the world of cnc machining awesome brand new cnc i, see machine that. I was that, looking at that a minute ago that, that's uh it needs to be making a lot more noise than it is right now so a lot of the things that we're doing now by hand um will the, the machine will be able to do more efficiently yeah all of the pre-work all of the all of the due diligence that you have to do before you start cutting a piece of wood mm-hmm. will still be done of course so all of that will be in place and the quality will be there but we'll be able to do 50 exactly the same instead right. of me trying to do 50 exactly the same with my bare hands right so I, i'm real excited about that as well yeah and so yeah so that's that's fantastic that's pretty cool do you how many days a week do you work and how many hours because i know that i rarely see you on facebook or instagram where you're not doing something out here up until just recently you know i just had the, i had a surgery on my right. foot which which they made me actually not walk on my foot for six weeks which oh, is no. bizarre but um, up until that, it's pretty much ongoing. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we take time off. To, we go to church on Sunday morning. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we do meet for lunch and dinner. Uh, sometimes my wife has her own business out of our house as well. Right. So we are home. We're both here together. Yeah. We never see each other. Yeah. Uh, or, or the only other times I'm not working is when I'm traveling. Yeah. You know, if I'll, I will for go. Work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did last week. I went to... Uh, a brand new uh, store in Charlotte, North Carolina. They just opened up Midwood Guitar Studio, and they're carrying our guitars. They've got ten of our guitars. Oh in wow! There. And I went for the grand opening because I've known the guy who opened it up for a long time. He's he's personally bought guitars from us. Just great people, and I wanted to be there for the opening. And mm-hmm. we and Samantha came down and play, she was playing in Charlotte the night that, oh, wow. the, of the opening. So she came and did an in store, which was fantastic. Yeah, and it was just a great thing. And, and it's, it's a, I'm not trying to plug the store necessarily, but I will. It's one of those unique places that you just got to, it's a destination. Yeah. It's so cool and very eclectic and everything in there is top notch stuff. Yeah. Every, every guitar in there I would love to own. Yeah. You know, what's the name of the store again? Midwood Guitar Studio. In North Carolina. In uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, great people. Yeah. And it, they're doing it right. And we're looking for more and more of those guys. You know, yeah. they buy into your story and they buy. So someone comes mm-hmm. in and says, Delaney, well, what's, what's a Delaney? Well, he can tell you everything I'm telling you. Right. I mean, he can say, this is what they do. This is how they do it. This is why we love them. Mm-hmm. And, and let a customer know. It's not like going into one of the mega stores where they don't, may not know the, all of the nuances of a, of a builder or of a company, you know, and these guys take the time to, to learn all that stuff, you know, and, and that's important. I mean, if you're going to be selling something as, as high quality as, as that, I mean, people, people don't just buy that kind of stuff on a whim. Yeah. And it's not a $200 guitar. Right. I mean, you know, I think price point wise, we're really competitive Mm -hmm. for a handmade custom guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we do really well price point wise. We're not going to become millionaires. Right. But we sleep really good at night, and we sure. know that that when someone is buys our guitar and is playing it, that they're happy, you know. And, yeah. and that's a, that's that's a, that's a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned uh, fly fishing earlier. Are you a fly fisher? I'll tell you. The last time I went fishing, I didn't even bait the hook. I just, <laughs> <laughs> there's a place I used to go. Uh, we've lived everywhere, but I lived in Colorado for a while, and uh-huh. I lived on a lake. Uh-huh. And it was like three houses down from my house. It was just not very far. Yeah. Big old flat rock o- out over the water. And I would I would go out there with a six-pack of beer and a fl- fishing pole and no bait. And I'd just sit <laughs> out there because it was just a great place just to be. say you're fishing. But I used to, as a kid and growing up, and I fished. And I used to love it. But sure. There's no time for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, with a, with, a, with a burgeoning business like this and being, I assume, the only employee at this point. Well, it's it's myself and my wife. She does she right. does all of our laser work. Okay, and she keeps us honest. She makes sure I don't yeah. do something stupid. She'll do that. And uh, and periodically, I'll have a little bit of help to catch me up, um, mm-hmm. gluing body blanks and sure. you know doing stuff like that to mm-hmm. to help um, get us um, um, in the game. Mm-hmm. And I've had apprentices in the past. I would love to have another apprentice, but yeah. they're hard to find. It's sure, a, um, you got to really want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've looked, we've actually looked for employees and it's, it's hard to find 
someone who wants to get their hands dirty. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if what I'm saying exactly, but it's just, it's hard to find somebody with the same mindset that I have. I, I think that's more you know? of it. It's, you know, there, there are people, you got to find someone I think that shares your view. Yep. And that's, yep. that's, well, obviously that's difficult because it's your business with your name on it. So, I mean, the idea of, it's the same thing. I think I can relate to that very, very aggressively because as a musician hiring an agent that agent doesn't have the same version of your best interest that you do. Right. And so hiring an employee to work in your company with, with your name on it that you hold, I mean, you have to hold it to a certain standard because your name is on it. For them to have the same thought about it that you do would be really difficult. To yeah, do. there's got to be a definite passion there for it. Right. And, you know, and I really... It's not just a job. It's, it's a work of art yeah. that, you, that you have to... I mean, that's your livelihood. Yeah, and it's got to be somebody that I want to share that with. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's so that's that's not easy. I've, we had a guy uh, when we were in Atlanta who apprenticed with us, who is now one of the master luthiers for Dean Guitars. Oh wow! Which is, I mean, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. Thrilled. And he was the guy. He was yeah. like, if I I want him to be, but of course we moved. Sure. We moved, and then he moved to Florida to go to go to work for Dean. Yeah. But uh, great guy, great player, yeah. and and he got it. Yeah. You know, he was. He just got it, and he was just a talented guy. Yeah. But I think now, if I was looking for somebody, I'd look for somebody who'd never built a guitar before in their life. I'd rather find someone who was a furniture maker or a cabinet guy who knew how to use all the machines, but didn't know diddly yeah. about guitars, so I could show them what I want. Absolutely. Not necessarily what that makes a lot is of out sense. there. You know. Yeah. You know, if I if it was if if I wanted to do what's out there, I would have just kept buying guitars that were mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. So. Um, it's it's a it's a tough process, but we're we're learning. We're we're doing it with machinery instead of employees right now. Yeah, you know? sure. It's, so well, you're building. I mean, very obviously, quality stuff, and it that shines through. You know, way more than just having your name out there as much as possible. Yeah, you know, the quality of your product that is, can't is change. It has apparent. to stay. Yeah, it has to stay up there. And if yeah. it doesn't, then I just might as well stop. Sure. Cause, yeah. yeah it, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be something that someone's proud to proud to pick up and play in, in front of people, mm -hmm. and, and does exactly what they want. And the the sound is first. You know, the, the tonal. We got to have something that people are going to say that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And after that, if it looks good, that helps. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. if it's got a cool vibe or it's got something that's that's neat or a personal touch to it, we do we do a lot of the uh, you know do just personal touches to to guitars for people so that. Yeah. That they can say, yeah, this is a Delaney Big Sky, but right. look, look what he did for me. Yeah, you know, this that's is cool. what I wanted. That's that's and, how you build a rapport and, and probably repeat customers yeah. for sure. So yeah. that's important. How did you get in touch with Tommy Castro? I've known Tommy for a really long time. Um, Tommy and I, I think the first time we met was like 2005. We were doing a blues festival uh -huh. and we had a booth. Uh -huh. And all the artists were signing a guitar that we were I think it was for Hurricane Katrina. They were raising money. I don't remember, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And Tommy was there, and he signed the guitar. And, and I was a fan of Tommy's. And the last one of the last bands I played in covered a lot of Tommy Castro stuff. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I knew how to play Nasty Habits was, yeah, was, yeah. A, you know, was a huge yeah. thing. So um, a mutual friend of ours told me that Tommy was looking for someone to build his guitars. And he'd played, he'd played in like a 66 Strat for years, black. And it was the Tommy Castro sound. It was yep. an awesome guitar. Mm -hmm. And Tommy, you, you knew it was Tommy when you heard that guitar. Mm -hmm. um, and then he, he, he started delving into wanting to do something unique for himself, and he did a parts guitar. Mm -hmm. Had somebody put it together for him. So a mutual friend kind of hooked us up and said, I know Tommy's looking for something. I told him about you. I hope you don't mind. I said, absolutely not. Well, Tommy got a hold of me and we talked mm -hmm. and he was coming through town. So I met him, um, at, on the side of the road at a hotel and sat in his tour band and mm -hmm. we talked a tour bus and we talked about what he wanted and he showed me the parts guitar and he said, I want this guitar, but I want a real yeah, version. Yeah. Of that. So that's what we did. Yeah. And, uh, so that he's had the guitar a couple months now and he's playing it all the time. We're going to, we have two little tweaks that we're doing cosmetically to it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's, it, it sound, I'm really happy with the tone. And, and Tommy is, too. He's playing it all the time. It mm -hmm. sounds great. But um, uh, And I think that one will be offered uh, available to the public after the first of the year, mm -hmm. maybe before. Yeah. Uh, 
Tommy and I have to talk yeah. hopefully this week. But, but um, so it was just one of those things where once we got to know each other, we had the, we had the discussion yeah. and, and probably pretty every, easy to do. Oh, and, and everything worked well. I guess Tommy liked me enough to want to continue to talk. And I, I love Tommy. You yeah. Know? And I told He's him, super I nice guy. told him I'm, be, I'm besides be, I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. uh, as much as wanting to be a guy who could build your guitars. And, uh, we, we, it turns out we have mutual friends all over the place and we, we hit it off. So, that's so a, it's a good thing. Yeah. That's it's awesome. Tommy's a phenomenal musician. And he, again, longevity, man. Yeah. You know, he's, he's been doing this for a long time and he, and it's quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we followed him from, from the very beginning when the, you know, San Francisco days and, mm-hmm. and, uh, so it's, it's, it's just a cool thing yeah. to be able to do it and to be able to be part of it. I remember maybe five years ago, I played a festival out in Midland, Aero Odessa. They run together. And I, we did a, a, he was headlining that night and we did an earlier slot because we had another gig in Amarillo that night. And so we drove out there and played, played our set and left, went to Amarillo. And we got to Amarillo, we opened our trailer up and uh, my band packed the trailer up because I was selling things and they didn't put my guitars, either one of my guitars in the trailer so we get to amarillo and i realized there's no guitars in there and i had randy's uh phone number uh, at the time uh their bass player Mm -hmm. and i called him and i said hey can you because they were on the same stage we were on just later Mm -hmm. i said hey i know this is a long shot i have two guitars that got left i don't know where they are and uh, he said, yeah, we just loaded on stage and there's two guitar cases on the back of the stage. And he opened them up and I said, OK, yeah, they're mine. And he said, and it just happened to be in Fort Worth the very next night. And uh. we went back to Fort Worth that next day it was a Sunday. And I said, he said, I'll bring them to you. Just come out to they're playing at Live Oak in Fort Worth. And he said, just come out. And I said, this is the most amazing <laughs> turn of, oh, my gosh, I couldn't <laughs> believe. That. And so, yeah, so he just threw them on the bus and took them over there. I couldn't believe how lucky that was for me because I'm panicking. I had to go to Guitar Center, which I genuinely don't like doing at all. And I had to go in there and I had to buy a guitar and then take it back the next mm-hmm. day. They have a 30 day policy. So then I try really hard not to scratch it up or hurt it while I had it in my possession. And, uh, and they were Guitar Center was cool about it. They actually cut me a check, a physical check. Uh, the next day because it's, they said it was going to take like five business days to put it back on my credit card. Wow. But they cut me a check so I could get it on Monday anyway. So that ended up being a good experience all around. But that's that's a funny story that sticks with me that, that I have about, about Tommy. He and I have done a handful of shows together over the years, and he's always been really supportive of of me and what we're doing too. Yeah, so we, he's a good dude. We love him to death. I mean, yeah, it's just he's part of uh... – Part of a legacy, a blues legacy, you know. Definitely. Uh, and to, to be able to be part of that is fantastic. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, I think I've taken up uh, enough of your time at this point, I believe. I know you've, you've got a lot of work to do. Uh, do you have, uh, what, do you, what would you like to plug? I know that you've got your website, DelaneyGuitars.com. Delaney, DelaneyGuitars.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm all that crap yeah just delaney um, guitars across the board yep delaney guitars and uh um we've got a couple of really exciting things coming up 2017 is going to be huge yeah we're really excited about it um some new artists that we're going to be introducing and uh um, as well as uh, hopefully some really great new stores like midwood mm-hmm. and uh so there's a the future is bright yeah you know we're looking we're looking forward to having a really great 2017 and and uh, we're just going to pick away at it one guitar at a time. Yeah. You know, get them out there and and hope everybody learns about it. Yeah. That's exciting. It's fun to watch. I mean, you've grown, even since I've met you, it's grown a lot. And that's a testament to, to you being a really great guy, a super awesome and nice, genuine person that I Thank am you. happy to be friends with. Thanks. I want you to know that for sure. And the phenomenal product that you're putting out. Those two things together, uh, there's no, you know, there's no reason that it wouldn't just continue to grow. So I implore everyone listening uh, within earshot of my voice to, to go to DelaneyGuitars.com. Come to my show and ask me about the one that I've got on stage with me. It's a phenomenal guitar, uh, and I tell people about it very often. So I believe that'll be it for us today. So thank you guys for listening, and make sure you check out DelaneyGuitars.com and stick around for the next episode. <laughs>